0: Hi, I'm Josh, and welcome to the Wild Nature Photography Podcast, the podcast that talks the art, the craft, and today, the editing of nature photography. It is the 13th of March, 2023, and this is podcast number 67. And the topic of today, as I said, is going to be editing—not uh, post-production, but actually just editing—and how I go about editing my photographs. What's the process? And because um, it's a question I get asked quite a lot, uh, how do I how do I edit my photos? Because I come back from the field so often with so many images, it's very hard to um, to distill them down to get to the best of the bunch. But just before we get to the topic of the day, uh, I just want to talk very briefly about my recent experience up here in the far north of Canada. I'm not going to rant about it. I've written about it extensively on my blog and... um, Uh, about how Canadian North Airlines have let me down so badly this year for our expedition to Ellesmere Island to try and photograph the white Arctic wolf. So I'm not going to repeat everything I wrote in my blog. Perhaps I'll just put show notes, um, put links in the show notes rather, uh, to those two posts. That might actually be the best thing. So not going to rant about that today. I just wanted to simply say that at this point, I'm still actually in, uh, Ottawa in Canada uh, and, uh, just working out my next move. I'm supposed to be in Svalbard, uh, in about another three weeks. So I've got quite a bit of time up my sleeve at this point. So hence I thought I'd squeeze in a podcast today. So let's get to that topic of today, which is, as I said, is going to be editing. Now, the first thing I want to talk about when it comes to editing is this, as I said, this podcast is going to be all about editing, not not the actual post-production side of things, but this is going to be about how do you find or how do you get down to the best of the bunch from a shoot and what's the process that I use to do this. So the first thing I really want to say about this is that I can't do this uh, straight after a shoot. So I can't go out on a shoot for the day. Let's just say I've been out shooting snowy owls for the day. I can't come back from the day shoot and start editing straight away down to the best photographs from the day. And the reason for that, from my perspective, is that I need the passage of time to pass before I can be objective or truly objective about the photographs that I shot. When I come back from the day's shoot... I feel like nothing I shot was any good and that it's all rubbish and that I really wasted my day. Uh And part of the reason for that is it's all still too fresh in my mind, the feeling of being out there in the snow, of seeing the wildlife, watching it in the environment. Uh, and then I look at my static photograph of that scene that's very fresh in my mind and I just <laughs> think it sucks. So I need the passage of time to go past before I can do any sort of real editing of my work. So quite often that can be... Uh, at least three weeks to four weeks, sometimes a month or more, before I will actually start to edit my images down to the best of the bunch. Now, the other thing to say about this, of course, is uh, as a primarily a wildlife photographer these days, I'm coming back with a lot more photographs than someone who goes out and shoots uh, the more contemplative landscape image, for for example. So someone who goes out for for the day shooting landscape might come back with a hundred photographs, maybe less, maybe more. I can go out and have a big day shooting wildlife and come back with three thousand photographs, and that's a lot to edit through uh, and find which ones are good. And hence, again, I need time and the passage of time to go past before. I can start to mine through those images to find the good ones. And you know, using the mining analogy, it's like coming back with a whole bunch of pay dirt if you're a gold miner, and then refining that pay dirt to actually find the gold. I need the passage of time to go past. How you shoot, of course, makes a big difference to the editing process, whether you're coming back, as I said, with few images or thousands of images. Obviously, the fewer images you're coming back with, the easier it's going to be to find the best of the bunch. Now, it's also worth stating at this point that just because... The best, well, rather, perhaps the best way to say this is the best you could do on the day doesn't necessarily make it a good photograph. So what I mean by that is if I travel to the other side of the world to photograph snowy owls and I make a whole bunch of photographs for the day, the best image I made from that day doesn't necessarily mean it's a great photograph. It was just the best I could do on the day. And it's a very, very important distinction and one you need to keep in mind when you're editing if you're going to be truly objective about your own work. Because the biggest flaw I see that most photographers have is an inability to be truly objective about their own work. And of course, that's because they have an emotional attachment to it because they photographed it. So it's very hard to for most people to be able to remove themselves emotionally from their own work because they were the ones who pressed the shutter. It's a really important skill to develop, to be able to be truly objective about your own work and recognise that it isn't a very good photograph. It would just happen to be the best that you could do on the day. So, that's That skill takes a long time to learn, and I think it can really only be learned through time through experience and through looking at the work of other photographers who are at the top of the game and producing really high quality work in their field because you need to know where the bar is set in order to know whether an image is good or not. You need to know what it is that you're looking for you need to know about the rules of composition uh, uh, you need to know about image flow and you need to know about color palette and complementary colors, and all these things go into understanding what makes a great photograph. Uh, uh, and once you know what makes a great photograph, and once you're able to divorce yourself emotionally from your own work, then you can be truly objective in the editing process of your own work and know what's good or what's not. So all of that sort of comes about through through time. And as I said, the passage of time is extremely important. So how do I go about actually editing now that I've said all of that? So I come back from the day shoot. I've got 3,000 images of snowy owls on my camera's card. How do I distill it down? Well, as I said, passage of time first has to go past, but let's assume that's happened. Then I import all those photographs into Lightroom. So I'm still using Lightroom for the editing and post-production of all my work. And then what I do is I literally will cherry-pick them. I don't go through them image by image, you know, one at a time by right-clicking the arrow key. Uh, I just don't have the time for that. I'll simply scroll through them quite quickly, and I'll be looking for images that catch my eye. I'll be looking for images that have the right uh, composition. I'm looking for images that have the wildlife doing something interesting. I'm looking for an image that generates an emotional response in me. And that's something I've spoken about quite a lot before, is generating an image or creating an image that has a, uh, generates a strong emotional response in the viewer. And that's going to make for a very, very successful photograph. Because if you can generate an emotional response in the viewer, you're going to capture that viewer and they're going to be interested in the photograph that you've created. If you can't do that, they're going to pass by your photograph quite quickly uh, and move on to, what the, on to the next thing because that's the way we've all been trained to, do the, to, to consume images these days. Um, so that's very, very important too. Uh, so, emotional responses, I'm scrolling through the images, power, drama, uh, as I said, composition, the wildlife doing something interesting. Um, and the photograph just has to speak to me. And then when I see it, uh, when that all happens, I'll just flag it with a pick. And that means I'm going to come back and have another look at it later. So, I'll scroll through my 3,000 images fairly quickly. It might take me f- four or five minutes to scroll through them all. And I'll literally go pick, yes, pick, yes. And that means I'm going to come back and look at it again later. Now, I don't actually delete anything unless it's clearly out of focus or it's clearly a photograph of my thumb or something like that. And the reason for that is, is again, it's a passage of time issue. So during COVID... I went back through many, many shoots that I had stored on my computer and I found some really good images that I had missed. Now, if i just deleted everything but my selects or my picks, those images would have been lost uh, to the ether. So, And storage is so cheap these days. It just doesn't make sense to me to go through and spend all that time deleting images. I prefer to just keep them all, go through and make the images, pick out the images I want. And sometimes I need to go back for other reasons. I may get a request for a certain type of image, uh, for like a certain type of Arctic Fox image, for example, one I haven't post-produced but I know probably exists in my library. So I can go back through all those old shoots and I can find that image and I can, you know, supply it to whoever wants it. Um, so let, what else do we need to talk about here with the editing process? So, yeah, after I've finished scrolling through and I've done those picks or those selects, I will then go back uh, either the same day or another day and go through those and have another look at all the images either side of that pick or select and just see if there's an image that has a slightly better paw position if it's an arctic fox or slightly better wing position if it's a bird, which is the best of those that group of images, the one that really really speaks to me and that's the one then that I'll move on to do post-production on. Uh, and sometimes I will go back and forth a little bit on this because I might have a couple of images that are very, very similar. Again, maybe one has the eyes more open than the other, uh, and that's the one I'll end up using. So there's a little bit of back and forth Uh, play. And then once I've actually done, I know this podcast is not about post production, but once I've actually done the post production, usually then I will sit on that image for a day or two and give it another look, uh, just with a fresh set of eyes to see, is it really a good photograph? Have I done the best I can do with post production and editing? Or should I have a look at another image that's perhaps going to be a little bit better? So I think, you know, just to sort of summarize my editing process, and how I see other people edit their images and the mistakes they make uh, that they really should try and improve. And I think one of them is being your own harshest critic. I think that's extremely important if you really want to produce high-quality, you know, photography on images. You need to be your own harshest critic. You need to recognise the flaws in your own work, and that's – means you need to be objective about it, and that's actually very hard for most people to do. Most people, because they are the creator of the photograph, they fail to be truly objective about it. It's why we all chimp. You know, when we get the shoot an image on the back of the camera and we go and show it to someone else, it's because we're proud of what we shot uh, and we want to share it. Uh, But are we being objective when we do that? Well, probably not, if we're honest. We're probably failing to be truly objective about it. So that's a very, very important skill. I think it's actually as important as learning how to do good post-production on your photographs, which is as important, of course, as learning how you field craft, being able to use your camera in the field. So many, many people are very, very good at that. They know how to use their camera in the field. And really, it's in the editing and post-production Stages that they fall down because they don't lack, they lack those skills uh, that are very, very difficult to learn, particularly that one about being objective again. That really is, I think, the key. And being able to admit to yourself, no, it's rubbish. I didn't shoot a good image today. I'm not going to share it just because it's the best of the bad bunch. Um, of course, it's, f- it's fine to do that if that's what you want to do, just to say, okay, this was my day. This is what I spent my time doing. But if you truly kind of create the best you can do, we've got to be objective about it. So that's my, that's my editing process. And I go back and forth a lot with this. So when I'm sitting down in front of my computer uh, to edit my work and go through my work and make my selects, quite often I'm in and out of different folders all the time. It's just the way my brain works when I'm editing. I can't stay on task for very, very long. I find I get not bored, but Uh, i just need to move on to something different so quite often i'll go through a folder of arctic fox images make a few selects go through a folder of snowy owl images make a few selects and then come back to them later maybe i'll do post-production on one or two at a time but i don't sit down and sort of do two three four hour editing and post-production sessions that's just not the way i i work as a photographer i like to work in small bite-sized chunks Uh, And as I said, I don't do any of this on the road when I'm traveling, just simply because of that passage of time I need to pass. For me, I've got to get rid of the sense of smell, the sense of being there in the field. I've got to remove it from my mind's eye so that I can then look at my photographs and be objective. So I'm traveling with a laptop. When I when I'm out in the field, but yet and I do download to that laptop to back up uh, my photographs, but I, and keyword them. But I'm not actually doing any editing when I'm on the road. That's all done when I'm back in my studio later on, and that's just the way I like to work. So I think that's it on the topic of editing, or at least what I wanted to talk about from an editing today. The main one being that ability to be objective about your own work. And if you are somebody who you know comes back from a shoot and is editing and post producing immediately. Do yourself a favor. Just give it a little bit of time next time. Let a bit of, let a few days pass a week, maybe more, uh, before you start editing and just see if it affects the quality of the final images that you select. Cause I think you'll find it probably will, uh, allowing that time to go past just lets the brain disconnect from what you were doing that day and lets you be more objective about your own work. So that's it for today. Um, As I said, I'm still currently in Ottawa at the moment. I'm not sure exactly when I'm going to be flying out uh, of Canada. I need to actually look at my flights. That's something I'm going to do later today. I've just been putting it off because I've had enough dealing with flights with Canadian North for the last week. But anyway, that's it for today. I'm Josh. It has been the 13th of March, 2023. Look forward to seeing you out in the field. Take care.